Houston, we have a cold. It's minor sound issues. Sorry. Anyway, this episode is 29 of I Guess We'll Do It That Way, a show where I call my buddy John each week and we talk about some stuff. This week, we are actually diving into some good rollers updates, so stay tuned. Next week, big time, episode 30, and it's even extra special because Uncle Johnny Bear and I will be recording our first ever episode in the same room. It's coming to LA. Can't wait. Make sure to come back for that one. Love you. Bye. Poopity scoopity. Skagadoosh. Uh, my kids love that song. Skagadoosh. You know, little Pump had to uh, evacuate his house. He did? Why? Because of the fires? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Malibu, the Woolsey fire. Because we were talking about little Pump recently. Woolsey, is that still going? I think it's over now. It's been raining. Oh, really? Thank goodness. Yeah. Thankfully. We need it. Man, was it getting smoky and hazy by you guys? Yeah, one, one, one day. Uh, most of it, I think, was blowing in different directions. It, it was nothing like Berkeley or, you know, anything like that from what I hear. Yeah. It's such a scary phenomenon to see a wall of fire just approaching your house. I can't really imagine how terrifying that is. Where do you think Lil Pump got evacuated to? Well, I mean... I think he probably just went to one of his other houses or someone else's house. You know, I, I think it was more like his house was in the evacuation zone more so than, you know, I, I can't quite picture like some firefighter like throwing him over his shoulder and carrying him up a hill. You know, I don't think it was anything like that. I sort of suspect with these guys, these SoundCloud rappers, that they're not actually as wealthy Probably not even remotely as wealthy as they claim or appear to be. Oh, I think that's 100% true. Because because here's the thing. Like, even if he was making, even if he made, like, $20 million this year, mm-hmm. you can spend $20 million if you're living a cray-cray lifestyle. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's just this year. Let's say he makes $20 million. He's not netting $20 million. No, 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 no. Not after even taxes, close. let's say he's netting, let's say after taxes he's netting like $13, $12 million, something like that. Okay. And then, but also his agents are taking fees, his publicists are taking fees. They're taking his, percents. Yeah, yeah, percentage, percentage. Yeah, big percentage. His, his, his lawyers, his label, like... Everybody's taking a cut. He's got his entourage, mm-hmm. which is very expensive. Oh yeah, and he's probably paying twenty five k a month in rent, easily. You know, easily. Yeah, this guy might be in trouble. Well, that's what happens to a lot of these guys. I mean, how much money did Allen Iverson spend? Like he blew through, I think, one hundred and fifty million dollars or something crazy. Like he was that. buying jewelry for his mom. Give him a break. Yeah. He bought no, $70 gotta, million dollars worth of jewelry for his mom for his yeah. mom, or some crazy thing like that. Poor guy. Whatever I'm a you, Philly guy. I love Allen Iverson, but come on, buddy. I know. They need better advisors. These guys are babies. Little Pump. How old is Little Pump? Like 21, 22, 23? Yeah, he's not, he's not very old. Because you know where Kanye's money comes from, like his clothing and his – I mean, he's got businesses. He's a businessman. His royalties from all the crap he produces for other people, like, you know, his his tours that sell out arenas, like, and the fact that he probably owns his own management at this point. You know what I mean? Like, that's where you make the real money. You don't make money in fees. Back in the day, I used to look at Twitter, and I remember looking at Kanye West's Twitter, and this was maybe a year, year and a half ago, maybe a little bit more. 
and he was in some kind of financial trouble. It was before some Adidas deal went through. And he was on Twitter asking Tim Cook for a billion dollars. Straight up. He was like going through. It was when Kanye was going through like. <laughs> it was when oh Kanye was going gosh. through peak meltdown, you know. Whoa. And it was before Trump. It was before all the MAGA stuff. And he was straight up on Twitter saying like, man, I got debt. I got problems. You could solve this with one check. I'm asking you on God, give me a billion dollars and I promise you I will grow it. Like he was actually Whoa. sincerely pitching Tim Cook to give him a billion dollars. That sounds okay. I have two thoughts on that. One, that's completely insane. Two, it's not even 10% surprising. It's not surprising, but you know what? The Bible says it. you have not because you ask not. <laughs> hey, you know, yeah, you can't blame him for asking. I mean, here's the thing. I would also say the Bible probably has a few things to say about Kanye's uh, lifestyle. Other, but, you know, other aspects I'm not here to judge. <laughs> I'm not here to judge. Right. He it's kind of he like wants. hearing. He's uh, paying the consequences for his mistakes. I don't need to worry about that shit for him. He can do what he wants. It's reminiscent of hearing, like, a, a Baptist preacher who, if you gave him, like, a, <laughs> if you gave him a chick pamphlet, you know those chick pamphlets, like the religious no. tracts? Oh, Chicks. come on. They call him chick pamphlets. His name for Jack Chick. He was an evangelist, like, I don't know. I know, know. the, interesting. No, I know the idea of a pamphlet, but I don't know the chick pamphlet. Okay, so the it's chick. cool. Yeah, the chick pamphlet is it's drawn in a very distinct style mm. and it's written they're they're kind of formulaic and it's um you know it starts with like what is the meaning of life and it's a guy who you know it's a little cartoon of a guy he's like the meaning of life is money. Oh, I know this. I And you see how it doesn't work out and he ends up in hell yeah. or depending on the track he gets the word and he ends up in heaven, right? That's how they all go. Interesting. Um, but I was telling, talking to somebody, and I said, if you got a, a chick track of, like, the the evil ruler's life, you know, like a womanizer, a guy out there just cursing people, saying crazy stuff, it's Trump. But because the, the market goes up, somehow it seems to be not a problem. He's delivering right. on promises. <clears throat> Well, it's it's an ends justify the means issue. I think that's the real problem is I know mm. a lot of people who don't approve of his character, but they are like, yeah, but he's going to, he got us Brett Kavanaugh. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, you sell your soul, yeah. you sell your soul to the devil. He going to fuck you up, bro. Well, but I also, um, you know, I have a thought. I, I had a thought for a movie, actually. Um, I think this could be kind of a fun movie. Tell me. Instead of someone selling their soul to the devil, they make a deal with God. And, you know, because there's always, like, a silver lining with these, like, you know, Robert Johnson, like, sell your soul to the devil deals, where it's like, right. yeah, you the get to play your guitar better. Lining. Right. It's it's a it's an evil lining. Now, the, the, the lining on this version... Because I, you know, I love the Book of Ecclesiastes. Yeah. I was, uh, I was reading the Book of Ecclesiastes because I just think it's so smart. And, um, and he was saying something like, you know, if you if you make a if you swear to God, like if you swear before Him, 
don't mess around, bro. Like, <laughs> you better like, deliver. You better deliver on it. And I was thinking it'd be kind of interesting if there's a character who like make, straight up makes a deal with God and is like similar to the way you would with kind of like the typical make a deal with Satan type thing where you're like, I will do X if you provide Y. And he and and he gets God upholds his end of the bargain, but he kind of warns him. He's like, if you abuse this power I'm giving you, it will torture you. You know, like here are the guidelines, here are the rules for how you're allowed to use this based on the deal that we made. But if you fail to uphold your end of the bargain, there will be consequences. And then most of the movie is him kind of slowly realizing that maybe the power, again, very similar to the way it would if it was like sort of a deal with the devil. But the reality that I like about this version is that there is no real villain except for the guy himself. Like there's that movie um, that I think we talked about, A Face in the Crowd, with, um, did we talk about that? No. It's Elia Kazan, I think, and it's, um, oh, what's that guy's, uh, Andy Griffith? isn't it? But he's playing like this really intense dramatic role. And basically he's this dude who's in prison who can sing and he's just a great entertainer and he gets discovered in a local jail and, and rises to popularity, but he becomes kind of his own worst enemy. And I love stories like that. I think they're so compelling because he's his own worst enemy. He's his own villain. And it's because he sort of ignores the advice, you know, anyway, I think it could be kind of a, a cool sort of thematic narrative, you know? Yeah. Um, Andy Griffith, like, from... Dude, yeah. He can act his booty off. It's the... Pro- you know, here's the problem. Back in the day, you didn't go to TV and come back. Once you went to TV, you went to TV. And so this was before he got discovered and got his show. And he crushed it. I wish he had done more roles because it's really, really freaking good. It's kind of incredible. All he did for, like, 20 years was like, well, Opie... I guess you learned a lesson. Yeah, I bet he was miserable because after seeing this movie, I'm like, that dude can do anything because wow. he's so charming. I mean, how you gotta old watch is he it. in it's the movie, really movie? Approximately, I'm gonna guess thirty. He's thirty years old. Mm-hmm. Oh, so this is early, early in his career. He got kind of discovered. Yeah, but I think he was a full grown grown up by the time he got his show. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess he is like at least. 40 probably 50 in in that show what was that show called the uh andy griffith show andy griffith show yeah i kept thinking opie and anthony for some reason which is the Mm, new york shock jack radio oh we talked about opie and anthony Mm -hmm. anyway um so uh this is john this is episode 29 hold hold up though sorry i didn't comment on the idea The, the idea is a good idea i like it when i was a kid we watched um the devil and daniel webster have you ever seen this movie no well it sounds familiar it's a classic. It's just a Faustian tale. The guy makes a deal with the devil for riches, and he he gets the money, and the devil comes to collect his soul later. Mm-hmm. And he the the guy is a poor farmer or whatever, and he hires Daniel Webster, who was a lawyer in like colonial or whatever eighteen hundreds America. Mm-hmm. And uh, he hires him to represent him in court against the devil for his eternal soul. Oh, wow. That's kind of wild. Yeah, but I, I loved that movie as a kid, and I love that story. And it's a story that comes up over and over again in well, humanity. It's something we're well, really interested and, in. You know, and here's the thing that would be interesting is if 
the the God character continues to sort of offer an out. You know, mm-hmm. where he's like, "Yo, you can give this shit up, and you are like, and your life will go back to normal." You know, all you have to do is say the word. It's sort of like the raccoon with the the his hand in the trap. All you right. have to do is let go of the shiny thing, and he can pull his hand out, but he won't let go of the shiny thing. So again, the villain is less the person who set the trap, and more the person. You know, it, it, he's his own. It's like his his greed is the villain. You know, and I just like the idea because with the devil things. With those typical stories, they realize their mistake, they try to get out of it, but the devil's evil, so he won't let them. But I think in this case, it's a more compelling narrative if he's the one trapping himself, you know? Plus, if you have somebody who is sort of working for the person's best interest, it's an unusual sort of take on the story, you know? Right. Like, you can have these riches or super intelligence or whatever the guy gets, you know? Um but it's not going to make you happy. And No, it's sort of like when you get eternal life and you realize that living eternally in this messed up place is actually a curse. Yeah, you know? I got to live with all these idiots forever. Yeah, exactly. I got to see everyone I've ever loved die forever mm. and I never get to. You know, because like in Lord of the Rings, death is a, is it becomes like a gift to the mortals, you know, and the, and the elves are, are effectively envious of their of that because they're especially the elves that rebelled, you know, not to get too nerdy, but in the Silmarillion there's this whole faction of elves that basically rebels against the powers that be and they cross the ocean and go set up their own kingdoms. And in the meantime, they end up, they call it the, I can't remember, but they they kill a bunch of their own people, which is a big deal. You know, ending a life that has no definite ending, you know, you're cutting off potentially a 100,000 years of someone's life. You know, it's pretty pretty messed up. Anyway, but like Galadriel, all these people were part of that, and then they have to live with the guilt for forever. You know, they don't get to sort of rest from their mistakes. You know, which is it's a curse in a way. I really wish that I could empathize with like goblins and elves because then I'd really enjoy these stories. But but I don't, so I can't. <laughs> Good, and then I we'll don't. move on. We'll move but, on. So no, no, this no. Is it is a good point. We're coming up on. We, we oh. got to move on. We got to move on. Because oh, okay. I'm just rambling. I, well, we, 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 so you can say something. Th- I have so many thoughts about this. I know, but dude, we have like a massive number of actual rollers related updates to talk All about. All right. The clock just hit 122. Let's hit the bricks. Hit me with the rollers update. No, 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 no. No, no you go. You go. I was going to keep rambling about that subject ad infinitum. I will not stop. So we have to move on. Can we come back to it one day? One day. All right, one day. So, John, first things first. Mm. We're coming up on episode 30. We haven't talked about how many no episodes way. we put out in a while. We have not. Um, we have not. This is episode 29, but next episode uh, will be episode 30. Uh, but we haven't, we haven't noted our episode count in mm-hmm. a while. I think we're kind of due for that. So there you go. We're at oh, episode 29. There it's we kind are. of a big deal. In case you 29 can't is how read. old I am. That's the number of years that I've been alive. Maybe we should quit now. When do you turn? Well, you just had your birthday, so dude, you're gonna make a movie. November you're 2nd. gonna have a completed film unless you screw the pooch somehow mm, before you're thirty. It. Yep. Um, I know. Kind of wild. Has anybody under? 30? Maybe let's not talk about that. You're freaking me out. Oh, what's it? It's a number. No, you know, I'm just kidding. If my son were here, he said you are thirty because you're in your thirtieth year of life. Move to Korea. That's how they count. Is that we right? We do that over here. Yeah. Yeah. All my Korean friends in high school were older than me. Huh. By Korean years. 
Huh. Yeah. But you know what? That's not how we count them here, bruh. This is America. It don't work like that in the land of the free. No. <laughs> no. Episode 30. Um, I mean, episode 29. John, how old are you? 46? Uh, I am 50. You're 50, right? 33. 33. That's baby years. But I am. I mean, I'm just kidding. That sounds like baby years to me, which is funny because I'm worried about hitting 30. So why do I think you're young? Because you are. But why do I think 30 is old when I hit 30? Um, I don't know. It depends on the person. You know, I see some people who are my exact same age and they seem so much older than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, some parents at my kid's school that are, you know, a year or two older, a year or two younger. I look at them and I'm like, we might as well be 30 years apart in age. Mm. And vice versa. I see some people that seem way younger than me that are my age. You know, if they don't have right. kids. I ran into a guy who was 45 he looked like he was 30. He had no mm. family. He was wearing like vans and some dirty jeans and he had a guitar. Good for him. And yeah, I mean, that's one path you can take. And he, he and I he, were so not. So he's single. Yeah, he's single. He's got no responsibilities. Like that guy. Tell him I, I got some, uh, I got some ladies that might like to meet him. <laughs> I'm kind of officially on the hunt for a couple of my friends who are like, LA sucks. The dating mm. scene here sucks. Find me someone that's cool. So you want to, hey, like girls, interested in a 45-year-old drifter from Chattanooga, Tennessee? I mean, some people might be. Okay, so let's get back on topic. So, John, we've got um, two major things. First of all, uh, general rollers update, which we can do now. And then I think we'll close the episode with a little script talk because you Ooh. read a little script three, called three, th- 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 three times. You read it three times? Well, two and a half, but yeah. Oh my I started word. to go through it. I haven't even read it three times. That's not That's po- Is that true? <laughs> I've read it like a hundred times. Yeah, I would imagine. Kidding. Okay. Yeah, I'm just messing. I can um, pretty much quote the movie at this point. Let's get, um, so let's go update number one. What's your update? Update number one, John, is um, that lots of, lots of things are happening. I'm on a hiring spree. Um, I'm on a team building hiring spree. Yesterday alone, John, yesterday, I hired a production designer and a costume designer. Same person? And no, different people. Two One, different people. Um, I will go ahead and say their names. Um, I think they'll be okay with that. Um, Coco one Chanel. Is, his name is, yeah, <laughs> she's the costume designer. Um, and I got Wes Anderson's production designer. That's mm. not true. I did even better. Our production designer, his name is Tommy Obed. And uh, he designed Hunter Gatherer, a bunch of other stuff. Mm. And and for those who don't know, a production designer basically is in charge of everything you see in front of the camera. Except for... <laughs> you need to blow your notes, John. <laughs> Mise en scene. Mise en scene. Isn't that what it's called? <laughs> Isn't that what it's called? <laughs> I, I don't know exactly how to use that word. You, you think I am some kind of film nerd? Mise en scene. <laughs> I went to. I, we had a brief layover in Gay Paris one time with my family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. And I just decided in the same in the same sort of vein that I would just go for it. Like I took French in high school. I can, you know, I could read it. I could give it a shot. Sure. But I, yeah. I'm like I also, do with math. 
Exactly. I'm self-conscious about it. So I just decided to turn it into a joke and I ended every sentence with like, ha ha, wee wee. <laughs> You're like, I'll have a croissant, wee wee. I would like one croissant, please. Croissant. Wee wee. And it went over. I'll tell you what, it was a slam dunk everywhere I went. No. I swear to you, dude. People, That's revisionist history for I sure. I swear to you. Because you know what? I have two little kids with me. They could tell it's not mean-spirited. Like, I'm trying. They loved it. <clears throat> That's great. Anyway. That gives me some hope. Mise en scene. So this guy's going to so he, he lays he's in out. charge of everything in front of the camera. So props, mm. um, set design, colors. Locations? Um, well, I mean, we have the location. So his job is turning the location into the place but not know? every scene is in the actual building no in fact um speaking of updates speak uh today <clears throat> today this very day at 1 30 p.m i am traveling to southeast la where i will be uh visiting a soundstage that has a bunch of like standing sets built oh that's um, so i'm gonna cool. visit a couple yeah, so they have like a bar and a hospital and all these things, and I'm just going to go and potentially we'll rent it for like two, three days and knock out a couple of scenes that are non-rollers. Um, and and so for in that case, for example, rollers being the venue where this film will the roll yes, rollers being the venue, Ebell Club of Highland Park, and so we we would go to these other places to get some other stuff, and then in in that case, it's Tommy's job to make them because you know they're pretty much just like blank bland sure. empty rooms that have have the right bones and then his job is to turn it into our set you know mm. um so this the same thing happens you know if you're shooting like a back lot do you new york I'm you sorry. know you have the new york bones and then you add new signage you make it specific to your movie okay so leading up to this do you show tommy do you show him pictures of the aesthetic that you want or does he show you or how does this work um, we're still working out process. I mean, yeah, I, you know, the, the lookbook that I built um, uh-huh. is an example of sort of uh, the, the vibe. Um, I shoot, I showed him pictures of the venue, you know, and we, and we just have started kind of having conversations about things. You know, one, one of the things that I think is going to make rollers really fun is details. You know, I was explaining, mm. you know, because it's old. You know, there's just got to be stuff. There's got to be, it's got to be full. It's got to be alive. It's got to feel like there's just been people in it continuously for a hundred years. So there's just going to be stuff around, you know, to make it interesting stuff. I, I'm going to check out the stage, which would be really fun to shoot on a stage because it's just kind of a different vibe. Um, but yeah, we were talking about details, you know, that kind of stuff. And then I talked to the costume designer and that's been really fun because, you know, she's just like an expert uh, cloth- clothing person. And so I can kind of go to her and, you know, there's not a lot of what you call sort of story days. Like, there's not a lot of days in the movie. Um, and so each day, you know, they got to wear different stuff. But there's only a few. And so I'm really excited about working with her to sort of create a look for each of these characters. You know, because what would be really easy is just, like, throw some clothes on them. Yeah. And honestly, costumes are often ignored, which is crazy to me. I mean, people put so little time and effort into costumes, which I think is just absolutely nuts. Because... It's one of the cheapest ways, if you do it well, to elevate your movie, you know, because well, you can totally just wear mediocre clothing and no one will notice, but you can take the extra time to find really dope pieces and and, and make them amazing, you know, and why not do that? Especially if the movie's simple, which this one is. Right. Like, 
it occurs. Well, I'll ask you. What's a movie where the costume stood out? Did you see Phantom Thread? No. I mean, Phantom Thread is about clothing. You know, it's a P.T. Anderson movie. So, as you can imagine, you know, the costumes stand out. But, I mean, one that, that I mentioned to... Okay, so my costume designer name is Susie... Something. <laughs> oh, <laughs> boy. Last name. We just met for the first time I yesterday. Quit. She'll get over it. Um, she's very nice. She's very cool. Um... But uh, Susie, Susie is very cool uh, costume designer. But what we were talking about was I, I was kind of mentioning, for instance, Ocean's Eleven or mm-hmm. Ocean's Twelve or Ocean's Thirteen. Sure. Those movies, like, um, yeah, that each of the characters has costumes that just make them totally unique. Right. Um, and you know, they would have spent a gajillion dollars on all those clothes, which we can't obviously do, but we're also not making a slick Vegas movie. We're making a, you know, a, a, a cheap rock and roll movie. And so, for instance, though, one of the ways that this conversation can go, like she sent me a mood board. She was like, here are all the main characters on Pinterest. You know, here's a bunch of just pictures that sort of capture various looks that I think could be a good starting point. And so we start with that. And then I'm like, how do we push this? How do we do something unexpected? Yeah, but pause. And then I, wanna, I was kind of like, hold on yeah. a second. I want to talk about this for a second because the costume, like, so take a movie like Royal Tenenbaums, right? Everybody's seen Royal that. Royal Tenenbaums is a great example. All you yeah. dorks out there, you've all seen that. So the costumes, yeah, they're cutesy and they, you know, they're fun and stuff. But actually, in a lot of cases, it serves a purpose. So take like Ben Stiller, the father character, with those two sons, right? They're all wearing those. It's a very cool costume. They're wearing those matching jumpsuits, right? It looks cool. Adidas jumpsuits, I think. Yeah, yeah and that's that's cool. But you also, it's it's telling you something about the guy's character, right? Exactly. Like he is dedicated to these kids. He's got them dressed up like him. He wants to be. He wants them to be like him. Uh, it conveys something about them, and each character in that movie, their costume sort of can convey something about their personality. So yeah, I agree. It's a super important. Un, or rather overlooked aspect of yeah. filmmaking. Totally. Yeah, so, yeah, for example, I was sort of saying how, let's think about, as just a thought experiment, what did, you know, so think of someone cool, like a, a, like a cool just rock and roll god like Jimi Hendrix. Right. What did he wear when he was just kind of going out for some coffee? You know what I mean? Because I bet it wasn't really thought out because he was probably stoned out of his gourd. But also, I bet it was so freaking cool, you know? And that's the kind of stuff where I'm like, they don't need to look like Danny Ocean because Danny Ocean wears beautiful silk suits. But what would Jimi Hendrix wear? What would Jimmy Page wear? What would, um, you know, Bono wear? I mean, not really Bono. But, you know, I mean, like, what would, like, these types of people wear, and then how do we twist that? Mm-hmm. How do we take those things and then make our own version of it that, to your point, says something about the character? So one thing we discussed was, you know, in the script, I won't go into a lot of detail, but, you know, Rufus is is having a hard time. He's depressed. So do we dress him in things that feel, you know, my my thought is that we dress him, and, and this could change. Hold but, on, you know, hold on before you say. Yeah. I picture. Okay, am I allowed to say? Yeah, tell me. Okay, yeah, please, please. So I, the vibe that you're described is is right. That's what I got too. Like sort of a guy who's had some 
tough breaks and he's going through a hard time. I picture him in some like dirty but sensible white New Balances with some jeans on and mm. like a tan sweatshirt. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, what were you gonna way, say? No, in a way, that's what I was gonna. It's kind of like muted, muted colors, right. you know, just like sort but, of bland. Again, that's the kind of thing where I'm like, okay, if muted is the first thing that everyone jumps to, should we go with muted? Is it mm-hmm. is it low hanging fruit or is it the right choice? There's, there, you know, it's hard sometimes to know the difference. Well, two things occur to me: one, with with any of those guys like Bono, Jimi Hendrix, anybody you mentioned, part of what they did that was so amazing is that they did something completely new that nobody had ever done before. Yeah, right? Exactly. Their style is so unique that it is unique to them you know and it create it totally. creates a new thing um but yeah the and with rufus or any character it's really hard it, it would it i would imagine that it's hard to um separate being cliche like too obvious like what i described is sort of the obvious like 30 year old guy <laughs> like not sure. doing so hot which doesn't make it bad. It's not bad, but maybe it's you're right. Maybe it's too obvious. Like no, maybe this guy has some flair left, and he's really mm-hmm. proud of his clothes. Or maybe though, I think where I would love to land is that it appears effortless. Mm-hmm. In the same way that like I looked, you know, you look up like the the classic Ramones cover of their uh, I forget which album it is, but like you know the black and white photo they're standing. It's just a classic band photo because it's classic. just them. Yeah. Yeah. But they're wearing ripped jeans, leather jackets, shirts with freaking, you know, the buttons only done up to their navel. And it, it, it doesn't have this like overly done vibe. It just has this like, yeah, I woke up at 1130 a.m. and forgot to put an undershirt on vibe, right. which is very cool. And so, yeah, what's Rufus's version of that? Was that picture staged, though, you think? Oh, I'm sure it was staged, but also I bet that's how they looked a lot. You right, know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. But again, it, it you, you never you never know. Also, I'd like to apologize to everyone. Um, the neighbors are weed whacking right outside. Can't, I so can't hear you're it. You're just gonna hear it. Oh, okay, good. I can't hear it. Um, but anyway, so that's costumes. You know, same with same with production design. You know, I want to find weird stuff. Like for instance, um, I was telling Tommy there's this uh, cafe in Baltimore called Paper Moon Cafe. It's a very famous Baltimore institution. And when you walk in, I remember my parents kind of told me because they were like, you're going to love this. This is so weird and cool the first time we went. And it becomes one of those things that you expect from a place like this is there was a wall, like the ceiling in one part of the restaurant was just covered with the dismembered pieces of like Barbie dolls and troll dolls. And like it was like heads and arms. And it was just a collection that someone had started probably 30 years before and slowly added to it. And eventually it just kind of becomes this weird piece of history, piece of art within this place. And I think that's the kind of stuff that's going to make rollers, you know, I don't want to give, I, I'm conflicted about this, you know, because there's part of me that's like, I don't want to give away the fact that these are thought through things because part of what I hope is that we don't call a ton of attention to this kind of stuff and that people are just like, have a feeling when they watch the movie that this was effortless. And obviously the reality is none of it was effortless. It's very thought out. But my hope is that people aren't sitting there thinking like, oh my gosh, the production design is so cool. And oh my gosh, the costumes are so cool. I want them to be thinking, oh my gosh, Rufus is so cool. And Rollers is so cool. I don't want them to be thinking about us, you know? Right, right. Well, that's... And that's tricky. It is tricky. Um, 
But I, I totally feel you, and we'll talk more about this later, I would imagine, but <clears throat> I totally feel you about the place being almost paramount in this. Like, I've, you've go, I've gone to a couple restaurants that have some some quirky thing about them like that, you know, a place where, where they cover the entire place with $1 bills mm-hmm. or, you know, decorative like uh, moose heads or just something unusual that right. really catches your eye and makes it special, especially when it doesn't feel like it's a TGI Fridays. No, that's the thing. There's where they big, backed it's not, the truck it's up and just keys. unloaded yes. a bunch of crap from the dollar store. Like, you, it can't <laughs> feel like that. But you have to fall yeah, in yeah. love with this place. The audience has to immediately identify with this as a with this place as a place that they would want to go or feel uh, some recognition of another place that they've gone and had good memories in like it has to connect with people and the tiniest details make that happen uh, you know I told both of uh, Susie and Tommy I was like realism is not my number one concern you know I think there's a version of filmmaking that is very realism focused and then I'm kind of like I want to create a place that doesn't exist I want to create a completely unique singular place that is so unique that you wish it existed but you also deep down kind of know that it doesn't because it would be too awesome Mm -hmm. you know like it would be and and I do think there are places that are that awesome for sure but um but they're awesome partly because people have actual history with them. And so part of my challenge is that I have to make people within 10 minutes believe that this place is as awesome and important to them as if they had stayed there for 10 years themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's the big challenge, you know, because I only have a few minutes to sort of achieve that goal. Um, are you allowed I, to are you allowed to serve alcohol at the screening of this film? I guess it depends on the theater, right? Yeah, I mean, some of the theaters. It'd be will. like, I mean, it depends on where, but but yeah, I mean, like test screenings will will serve alcohol. It would probably, be sick you know? too because our our post house. This is one fun thing, you know. Shout out to stand post stand sound post stand sound post. Sorry, let me try that again. Shout out to stand sound post um, and Jonathan Sheldon and Greg Richling. They're um, they're really cool. They're our our sort of heading up all of our post Say stuff. Say the name one more Hollywood. time. Jonathan Sheldon and Greg Greg Richling. Sorry, the, the Greg name, actually the name of the business. Oh, oh, Stand Sound Post. Stand Sound Post. Stand yeah, Stand Sound Post. Stand Sound Post. Stand Sound. Sand Town. Where sand I grew up. Town. No, but they they have a really cool post facility over in Hollywood that John will actually visit when you're here. Oh, cool. This and is post like production. Post production. Yeah. So they have they have soundstage. They have this amazing. I'll link to it in the in the website. But they have this amazing. Um, sound editing studio you know it's like a recording studio and then they have a 50 something seat sick theater like stadium seating like a 35 foot screen it's massive that's awesome and the color is perfectly tuned so like you're getting an actual representation it's like dolby 5.1 like you know speakers all over like perfectly set up the whole room is like tuned for uh you know accurate sound and so we'll have some test screenings there, which I'm so pumped about. Yo, I am. Uh, because, you know, normally movies like this, you ain't getting to do You watch it on your laptop. I went to um, a play in New York over the summer. I may have described it at some point. Have I? Mm, which one? Okay, it's called The Play That Went Wrong. Yes, you did. But please start again because that was like episode two. 
so the pl- in, during the play, when you sit in the theater, you walk into the theater, and it's immediately interactive, right? So you're in an old theater. It's probably That's a five, so cool. four 500-seater. And the cast is all around you. They're, they appear to be ushers, but they are, you know, obviously acting in a way that is not outrageous, but it's not how a real usher would act. And th- then it starts to escalate as it gets closer to showtime. You know, they're like kind of yelling at audience members and getting frustrated and stuff is starting to break before the show even starts. And it's very chaotic, awesome. right? It's very, very cool. So you want to get there early because you're going to miss part of the show if you show up right at the last minute. 100%. And during the show, it's 100% interactive. You're watching a play within a play, right? So there, there's actors doing a play, quote unquote, quote, quote unquote, a play. That is just going absolutely horribly. But the real play, of course, is the backstage and the director and all the actors behind stage. You see all that stuff. That sounds so hard to write. It's a great, great idea. I mean, the stage completely falls apart by the end. The set, I mean, falls completely apart. It's, It's hysterical. It's really, really funny. It's a very interesting, good idea. It just occurred to me. So you have this movie that's about a theater uh, shows in it. It would be maybe corny, but kind of cool if you during a screening like recreated the vibe of rollers in a screening uh, mm. environment. You understand what I mean? Well, you know, it would be really fun is we could screen the movie at the event. at the place. Ooh, you know, and also can you have? Really see, this is the corny part, though. Can you have your actors like? Maybe this is so corny as to be unbelievable, but almost do that. Like they're they host the screening as their characters. Ooh, dude, that's so fun. Might be a fun idea. I mean, maybe you know, because here's the thing, John. I also have a parallel idea that might dovetail dovetail well with this. I want to let's say twenty thousand years from now, when this movie finally comes out. Um, I think it'd be really fun to host a weekend music festival, mm. the Rollers Music Festival, at the Ebell Club, and yeah. bring in because our lead Rufus is, um, and I'm not going to give his name quite yet because we're still working out some details, but the, hopefully next week. But our lead Rufus and and the woman that I'm, I oh, another update actually, I just sent um, what are called sides. I, I sent um, a couple scenes to a possible Jane mm. because she's going to put herself on tape because she's in uh, Chicago, um, so we can't meet in person yet. But um, You get a car. You get a car. <laughs> the only person I know in Chicago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so she she's going to basically tape herself, you know, auditioning, which is super exciting because um, mm. I think she's really talented. She's also a musician, has a band. So, you know, what would be really fun is we get – the, the 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 actors to come out for the festival and sort of headline the festival as their actual bands, but playing the characters that they played in the movie, um, and then also just get some other cool LA acts and just basically just basically yeah have a, have a, have a festival you know get ten fifteen groups and sell beer and um, that's a great people, idea you know a free festival I, but but it would be fun if they stayed in character that'd be really cool. So, so things are shaking, things are I, moving. Yeah, things are really moving. Um, you know, we're 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 I mean, yeah, dude, tons of stuff is going on. Um we're really getting into the thick of it. You're coming out next week. I can't believe it. Which is ep short for epic. My kids are sad. My neighbors are glad. 
have you I know you guys have traveled as a family, but when's the last time you left them behind? Um well, I don't know. Maybe it's been a while. It's been a while. I've gone to some funerals by myself. Yeah. I've gone to a couple mm-hmm. like, you know, family things up north. But yeah. But you know what? I'll come back and they they won't even rec- they won't even remember me, you know? Kids yeah. are very no, for sure. very adaptable. They'll be like, "Wait, I thought this cat was our dad." Yeah. Who are you? Yeah. Well, that'll be sad, but you'll get over it and I will. move out here. I'll start a new fam. Yeah. <laughs> I'll start a cat. Don't fan. you have? Don't you have a, a fictional wife in Minnesota? I see. Well, I always. I have a cousin, a lovely cousin up in New Jersey named Donna. Oh, that's right. And Your I always Donna. joke that I'm going to go move in with Donna. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> Donna. Oh man, can you believe that's a thing people do? Is like have two families. That sounds so awful. Not just because it would ruin everyone else's lives, but because it would just be miserable. It sounds so difficult. Like, Christmas is so hard, you know, with one family. It's like there's a lot of stuff going on. you got to buy a lot of presents for people. What if you had a whole secret family, like Dylan and Jason, that you don't know that well? Oh, jeez. Hey, uh, Donna, what do Dylan and Jason like to do while I'm with my other family? Totally bizarre. terrible. I can't believe people lie to people like that. They do it. So, um... John, we've got a few more minutes to have the end, to have the beginning of a script conversation. Because mm. as you said, you read Rollers three, two and a half two times. Two and a half. I want to know what you think about it. What we're going to do is we're going to have the beginning of a conversation that it's going to be more broad, mm. a little more theoretical, a little more less detail oriented. Sure. Because people haven't read it. And then we're going to hit P A U S E. If you can't spell, that's pause. We're going to hit pause. We're going to record another episode, which we are going to hang on to indefinitely until the movie is available for public consumption. And then we will release that episode in which we discuss the script in great detail for people to listen to. Because I think it'll be fun because, A, the script will probably change. Our expectations for it will change. The realities of everything will change. Um... Uh, you know, so I think it'll be fun to sort of have this on the record, but look at it much later. Mm. I'll, I'll start growing you know? a beard. Yeah. Yeah. So you, By the time the my beard's in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can hear my. I can't picture you with a beard. You can hear my scratchy beard, my voice through my scratchy beard. Can you grow a good beard? I don't know. I never really tried. I'm sort of mm. lazy about grooming. So How often do you shave? It depends. To be honest, lately I've been doing it a lot more, but. Ordinarily, maybe once a week. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's not terrible. I end up with a beard by default because I don't like shaving. So I shave, I let it grow out for a few weeks, I shave, I let it grow out for a few weeks, I shave. It's that kind of thing. I have such a low tolerance for annoyance that the second the facial hair itches me at all, which is, you know, a few weeks in, I'm done, mm-hmm. I'm out, I just chop it. Mm. Yeah. I've had some pretty long beards. I, you know, I used to wear a mustache back in the day. Oh boy. Um, and I, you know, I. This is my claim to fame, John. Yeah. <clears throat> my one. I was wearing a mustache back before. Movember. I was wearing a mustache when no, yeah, oh yeah, way before November. This was back in like 2007, 2008. Oh, you're like. 14? I had a mustache. No. Um, I was like 18, 19. Anyway, I had a mustache. Maybe it was 2000. 
eight, nine. Anyway, I had a mustache for several years, but it was back when I was the only person I knew with a mustache. Yeah. Well, and you then, and, and then they every got popular. child molester. Well, exactly. That, that I was in good, you know, I was in that company as opposed to it was not a hipster trend yet. Uh huh. Um, and then as soon as it became a trend, I uh, I got rid of it. That's a smart call. Yeah, yeah, I don't like to follow the trends, right. you know, but I did enjoy and I'm kind of waiting for it to die off so I can start growing a mustache again. Mm hmm. Because the mustache craze. It's such a bad look. It's a terrible well, look. It was. Yeah, but I liked it. Your I dad's a handsome I, guy, and I saw a picture of him recently with a mustache. He looked terrible. Mm, if he came mm. to my house and wanted to see my kids, I'd turn him away. He looked terrifying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> he's a real jackass. <laughs> no, he's Let's, not. Um, he's a great guy, but that stash <laughs> makes me distrustful of you, bro. Cut uh, the stash. Yeah. Well, you got to get rid of good that. Good to know. Okay, so, John, mm. the rubber is about to come into contact with the road. Uh-oh. What did you think of rollers? <laughs> okay, well, um, how general do we want to go here? Uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you if we're getting too... Sp I mean, okay. use character names, mm. use basic story mm. arc things. Let's try not mm. to give away the ending. Mm. Let's try not to get, uh, talk too many inside baseball jokes, inside baseball jokes. Basically, you want to know whether I liked it or not? Or, yeah. or my general and thoughts, some, say. Yeah, yeah, but w whether you liked it or not, your general thoughts, and then we'll hit P A W U S E Y, okay, and then we'll get into the details. Okay, so I read the script, and I'm gonna refrain six times. I read it two and a half times. I'm gonna refrain from using like like dislike or good bad. But here's what struck me: I read the script and I laughed out loud the first time I read it. Awesome. Which is, un I mean, that is a feat in and of itself, right? Yeah. I was telling somebody that if you read the Home Alone script, like, how many laughs would you get reading the Home Alone script? Mm. Not a lot. But that's like... Right, because a lot of it's physical comedy. It's a lot of physical comedy. You can't really picture it. You got it. Joe Pesci falling down the stairs and, you know... The way that... Come on, Marv. Like, even that stuff, if you read it, you would yeah. read, come on, Marv. It's hard to get uh, humor across in writing. So... Mm -hmm. Success there, several times. Several times. That's really good. Um, Sweet. Yeah, that's great. So one, I thought it was funny. I liked the story. It was more or less sort of how I imagined it would be because we had talked about it enough that I knew it was about a place and I knew it was about a family. Sure. So there weren't any like huge surprises there necessarily. Although in the plot there are some like sort of trippy. Um, I don't even know what the word is, but like excursions mm -hmm. that departures from reality perhaps yeah exactly that are well, but they're not even really departures from reality but choices right exactly or just like sort of trippy or sequences at least maybe how i imagined them mm -hmm. so this kind of gets to why i read it three times so part of my <clears throat> okay so if i had an issue with it part of it was that the entire time i read it i kept hearing your voice in my head mm. which was distracting in which, in which, like, what reading what the the action lines, no, the dialogue, just dialogue, and not oh. interestingly only the dudes. And I think it was it's really just a projection issue. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, so it did not. Do you think they're all written the same way? No, and that okay. I knew that instantly because every time I read a girl, like a girl's part, like if you read Jane or Maddie, this the um, 
the main girls, I didn't feel that way. But the dudes, um, I did feel that way at first. The but, first but time I guess I read what I'm it. saying is, do the did, okay, gotcha. But the first time you read it, did the I just dudes had your voice feel like? Yeah, yeah, okay. They but feel like that different the dudes characters. Felt like the same people. No, okay, not at all. Because you know that's not. actually really challenging. Like that, that's something a note that I've been given uh, or yeah. have given a lot is like they all yeah some of the time it's sound the same. Yeah, exactly. Because right. it, it is all me. It's all uh, coming from my head. Exactly. You know? So yeah, exactly. That's why, and I know, but you, you know, of course I know that. But you didn't totally feel that way. You're more just saying that you heard my voice. Okay, so the first time I read it, every time I read a man, male character, for the most part, mm-hmm. that was like, you know, one of the middle age, you know, like 20 to 30 age characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I kept hearing your voice, so I had to read it again with the express purpose of like, do not. Mm. And I and honestly, successfully did it, right? Nice. Partly because I knew the characters better. I don't read scripts that often, so it's slightly hard. Because you're not constantly reminded people's like relation to each other necessarily. Exactly. And you and, and you have to do a little heavy lifting because you're not seeing them. Right. You're not seeing their facial expressions. You're not seeing what they're wearing. You're not. Right. You know. You got to use your imagination. Yeah. Big exactly. Time. And it's not like a novel. It's where not they're constantly like describing inner dialogue. Mm-hmm. They're not describing scenery. Yeah. It's very bare bones. I'll post a yeah. few pages at some yeah, point. Yeah, you should. So, yeah. so that, Maybe like the first five or something. So, yeah, that was another thing that I was keenly aware of, right? And I had to, again, the second time I read it, with that express purpose, right? And and right. honestly, I can definitely, like, no, the characters don't all feel the same. They don't even really feel like you um, necessarily. Like, obviously, I just because I've talked to you for so many hours, like, I know that that's something Zay would say. But how could it not be? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, or a way that you would formulate something, but sure. there's a bunch of different characters. Um, <laughs> that sounds so obvious, but there's a bunch of different characters that are. <laughs> there's all... some dialogue. There's Just a bunch pause of different it. characters. Um... It, it takes place at Good locations. Take, John. <laughs> no, but there are different characters in the sense that, like, there are complex people with different um, interests and different not interests, but different perspectives on what's happening. Mm-hmm. Which is a good – that's another really good thing and like a thing that you probably wouldn't see in a less good script, right? Good. So not – everybody's not just like in agreement about stuff and going forward. You know, people, there's conflict. Right. There is resolution that happens, things like that. All good stuff. Um, I thought – But. No, no, no but. Uh, there's some like editing that needs to be done. You told me that when I – when you sent it to me, like, I think it could mm-hmm. be shorter. I thought that in some parts I was asking myself and we can get into specifically later, but at some points I was asking myself, like, are we furthering the story? Um, are we getting something out of this scene? Or is it like not a space filler, but like mm-hmm. I've got to, I need some extra time in here. Mm-hmm. occasionally it felt like that not occasionally towards the end the last third of the script mm-hmm. during some dialogue segments like in the um in rollers like in the, in the office or whatever mm-hmm. a couple times i thought could be excised or changed or whatever but we'll get into that specifically yeah um but overall i was impressed i liked it even though i said i wouldn't say that um it's really hard to picture how some like I have very specific questions about the world and you sort of incidentally answered it actually. So some stuff that happens in the movie 
it occurred to me like this would not happen in the in the actual world or at least mm-hmm. if it did the way it's portrayed in the movie is is either not accurate or it's not mm. intending to show the real world. Mm-hmm. So that, I'm so curious which parts you're referring to. Mm-hmm. Can't wait. Yeah. So that, but that is a question because, like, for instance, if you watch the show, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, right? Right. If a character gets shot, the next episode, they're still alive. Right. You know what I mean? It's not even that it's an starting a new, right. that it's starting fresh each, ep- each episode. It doesn't necessarily. It's just that the consequences aren't real for their actions, right? right? They don't right. really matter. And the, occasionally, two, I think one, maybe two times in the movie, it, I wondered that. I wondered, are we mm. supposed to be in the real world? Because if we are, I don't think this is possible. Mm. Slash, if we're not in the real world, which is fine. Like, for instance, The Royal Tenenbaums, a movie we've already talked about. There's some stuff that happens right. in that movie that you're like, that would never, that's not possible. But it's not right. supposed but to be. But it serves the story. Yeah, yeah. And it's and that's totally fine because it's not like a crime drama. Right. But I'm really curious which things you're referring to because I can think of a few things where I would respond, depending on which things you're referring to, which, again, we'll get into it. Yeah, it's not as major as, into it later. as my examples. It's not anything like a character gets shot and now he's, oh, he's back to life in the next scene. It's nothing like that, of course. But No, but I'm curious because there are certain things where I, I if you refer to them that way, I would be like, ooh. That's actually, yeah, I, I do want that to feel grounded and real. But there are other things that you might be referring to where my response would be, yeah, actually, that's intentionally a, a bit of a departure from reality, and I'm doing it for these reasons, and it probably will work better when there's music and when there's sound and when there's, right, right, right. Uh, you know, a character. And, and, and But I'm very curious because I, you know, for instance, like, well, I mentioned Greg Richling, um, one of our post guys, like, he... He was actually, do you know the band The Wallflowers? Yeah. He was in the, that band for a long time. Say like, what? With Bob know. Dylan's son? Yeah isn't, it, yeah, isn't that crazy? So he's got like Grammys and stuff. But um, but so, you know, I like I'm a, I, I like when people like that read it and I like when, because there are certain things where I'm like, I want this to be relatable. You know, I, I there are certain things that I'm not concerned with realism and then there are other things that the realism is necessary to the story, and it's 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 always a little tricky finding the balance, right? Yeah, and that's so I'm excited to hear which which those things are, right? And it's not, I mean, it really does depend. Like, so the um the stuff that I'm referring, we we should just wrap this episode up, shouldn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think we should. We got to get into the um, deets, my dude. We will get into the deets for everyone else. Probably a solid year from now. No way. I mean, dude. Yeah, we talked about that last episode. It's going to be a long time before this movie comes out. Oh, um, man. Well, mm. it would be interesting but, to see, like, if you picked a scene. Because you have every version of the script, don't you? Oh, yeah. Of course. Gajillion versions. You have a bunch of versions. I, you know what would be kind of neat is if you took a section and showed Ooh. the the progression of it. Because you that would be really interesting. You have sort of even indicated to me like this might change a little bit. Still, mm-hmm. I'm sure it will, right? I mean, even since you've read it, certain things right. have changed. Okay, I would imagine that. So, and it, it, the whole next month, you might tinker with it, change mm-hmm. little stuff. Yeah, it would be kind of fascinating. Not every single one necessarily. I don't know what your versions look like, but I would like to see that. Mm-hmm. I think that could be really fun. Compile it. Sweet. Okay. 
What's another word for pirate treasure? Well, I think it's booty. 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 This episode of I Guess We'll Do It That Way was edited by me, Lil Johnny Bear. It was produced by your boy, the one and only, Uncle Zay. Cover art by Nate Giordano. Opening song is The Get Down, by Summer Drags. Closing song is Professor Booty, by The Beastie Boys. This has been a Mama Bear production. It's your boy!